Hello, listeners, and welcome to Youth Ventures Podcast, PDX Business Spotlight. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to season three of PDX Business Spotlight. We are so excited to welcome Francis from Exilior Coffee. So Francis, can you please go ahead and give an overview of who you are, what your business is about, and how you got started? So uh, my name is Francis. I'd like to call my, uh, myself a Kenyan-American. I was born mm-hmm. and raised in Kenya and uh, came here to the U.S. to study uh, aviation. Got wow. my pilot license, um, didn't like the lifestyle. It was something that didn't really touch on me. So I started looking at other things. I saw an opportunity. It was when I was flying and I saw an opportunity to be able to give back to my home country. And um, that involved trade. And it led to me doing coffee. Coffee was something that I knew, something that I understood, mm-hmm. but I didn't really understand the coffee culture on the consumer side. So under seeing that coffee culture on the on the consumer side here in the US, I realized that our farmers can be able to benefit if they are connected directly to that. So my business is coffee. So that's what I do. I trade in coffee. Probably in the future venture other commodities, but specifically coffee right now. And I just got started because I wanted to give back. I wanted to give back to to the people who do a lot of work, who actually grow the coffee. And and I saw that uh, they didn't want to to grow coffee anymore because they were not seeing any economic value in it. Yet yet Mm -hmm. I saw that the consumers really were willing to to be able to to pay for that. So that's what got me started, just wanting to give back. Wow, it's so cool how you kind of address this problem you saw in society and you thought of this really cool, unique way to give back to your community as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think one of the best things and when I saw what I saw with trade was how do you build wealth in communities? And it stuck with me. And I think I was flying, that was when I was doing my solo flights and I was mm-hmm. flying in Seattle and I saw the airport, the the seaport and the rail ne- network and the, and the road. And for me, that was the aha moment. I was like, Seattle has grown because of trade. Mm-hmm. Where it is, is because in a place that was strategic for trade. So it, it could grow out. The same thing goes to Portland. It's close to, to the river. So that actually allows it to to be able to to move stuff. And if you can mm-hmm. be able to move, then you can be able to connect people. And then you can be able to start creating wealth. And that's how, you know, like cities grow. Mm-hmm. That's how communities grow. So to me, that was the enlightening moment. And and I was, I was happy to see it from around 7,000, 7,500 feet above. So I could wow. see far away and be able to see how, it has grown out from this small point to how it has extended out. So that was my aha moment. And I was like, I think I can do this. Mm-hmm. So. And Francis, I think you may have already touched on this a bit, but who or what inspired you to start your business? Actually, I was, I was inspired by something tragic. In 2007, uh, was when I was training as a pilot. And uh, that's the same time that there was ethnic war in Kenya because of mm-hmm. an election. 
And the more I looked into it, I started thinking, why would why would the brothers fight? And the thing I realized and what I could hear most being, you know, now I'm, I'm looking back in and I'm, I'm listening. I was, I used to be in that environment. So now I'm out and I'm looking in. And most of the things they were saying was opportunity. So people, the youth kind of felt like if leadership does not go to their man or a woman or community, then they feel like the next five years are, they're going to be oppressed. And that, mm-hmm. and that kind of really hit with me because I don't think opportunity should be limited. Opportunity should not be about, you know, tribe, mm-hmm. you know, and it extends all the way to race, to gender. Opportunity should be something that is, you know, that is open mm-hmm. for anybody. So that was when I was like, what if I can be able just to start creating an opportunity? And, and that is actually it is through that tragic event that actually I was inspired to be able to start giving back. Because like, if mm-hmm. these guys can be able to see that there is opportunity and opportunity can be made and they can make their own, dest- they can be masters of their own destiny without relying on a person or a, or, or a leader from their community, then at that moment, you can be able to say, hey, I really don't need to fight anymore. So that incident actually inspired me to do that. It, I got so much inspired by uh-huh. by that negativity. Wow, but I really love yeah. your ideology on that and creating the opportunity for your community. And Francis, how has being a person of color affected your business, either positively or negatively? I don't think... Being a person of color has actually impacted my business in a negative or positive way. I kind of feel like for me, when I saw that opportunity, I would connect. I started connecting with people and it mm-hmm. didn't matter who, who it was. Mm-hmm. It, it was like on a, a, on a religious path. It like a, it's like you have a calling and I'm, and I'm reaching out to people. Uh-huh. And I'll be like, okay, I do have this coffee. I do have this business. Would you buy more coffee? And that is the question for me I kept asking. And and what I had was a quality product. And mm-hmm. when I gave it out, people were like, wow, I love your coffee. And then we would now, after that, engage in, engage in conversations. And that is when I, could real, I also realized that there was also a disconnect with Kenyan coffee here. Because I started importing, there was a disconnect with Kenyan coffee. So I could hear most roasters telling me stories and I'll be like, no, that's not the story of Kenyan coffee. That's, that's not true. Mm-hmm. I like to tell you the story of Kenyan coffee. And, and I started having people listen to me. And, and most of that support is, is what actually got me to where I was. So I never looked as my, at myself like I'm a person of color when going into business. I looked at myself as a, as a business person going into business. And I wanted to, you know, just to tell my truth. That's the only thing I wanted to say. This, this is this is Kenya, and actually, you are, your thoughts about Kenya are not wrong. I did, I did not want anybody to view me otherwise. Mm-hmm. And and that was my strength. Was like view me as a businessman, view me as a as a person offering this to you. And if it doesn't click with you, I just move along with somebody else because that's. That's how business is, and, and that's how we were able to grow, and that's how we were able to have other people join us in, in this journey. So 
that has never been something that has hindered me or I look at myself as as that to put me down or to raise me up for whatever reason. I've always wanted to be viewed like, okay, this is this is what we offer, this is what we bring to the table, and we want to succeed. If there's opportunities out there that be able to highlight us, then we are there. And that is something that I learned as a kid because I, I grew up in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And one of the things my dad used to say is like, don't look yourself as a tribe. Look at yourself as a human and offer what you have to offer as a human. Some people will say yes, some people will say no. It's not your problem, it's their problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I haven't seen any any of, of that impact my business in a negative or a positive way. It has always been like, can I do what I do best and can I offer my best? Definitely. Yeah. And Francis, could you talk a little bit more about how you source your coffee? Yeah, so my coffee is sourced in a very unique way because I was born in Kenya and raised up there. So we are able to connect directly with the farmers. We do have a team which is 24 hours in Kenya, and they are always working with the farmers to be able to to figure out how much, what is good. And when I say good, I start thinking about how can we help you produce a quality coffee that I can be able to buy. So we start with quality. How can we be able to help you, the farmer, produce a, a quality coffee that we can be able to also sell? And then the other thing is that we also open the farmers' minds. We open their eyes in terms of most of the farmers didn't understand coffee sourcing. And they would call it a cartel because whatever the farmers can't understand, they used to say it's a cartel. But actually it wasn't a cartel. It is a system that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, one of my sourcing ideas is I also teach the farmers the system. Wow. So because if they can be able to understand the supply chain system, then they can be able to make informed choices. And we started with a very simple concept. Let us see how much does it cost you to produce coffee? So the farmers would give us their costings and everything. I tell them, give me every single cent that you use, even the taxes that you pay for. Mm-hmm. And then we'll know, we would know how much it, co- it would cost them to produce a kilo of coffee. Then we would be able to say, okay, now you know that. And then there's the unknown. So we do the 25% price on top. And then we start negotiating pricing from there so that the farmer is never at, at any point is, is the farmer going at a loss on the farm level. Yeah. So, and then we provide them with the market. So we remove that. We remove this idea of where am I going to sell my coffee? We say, we are the ones buying your coffee. Wow. So the farmer is confident. And then we we have an exporting company in Kenya, and then we do have the importing company, and then we do have the roasting company. So from the farmer all the way to your cup of coffee, it's actually us. And and I think we've been able to, to open a lot of the farmers' minds. Actually, one of the farmers told me that he's been growing coffee since 1976. And it was only about four years ago when we started that he said he he started understanding what coffee means. Wow. So because, yeah, when when we are able to do that, and we call this system a soil-to-cup approach Mm -hmm. because from the beginning, from actually even looking at the soil quality, we started telling the farmer, can you be able to take your soil and uh, to take, you know, soil analysis needs to be done to understand what needs to be done to your soil because, you know, soil degrades over yeah. time and the plant degrades the soil. So how can we 
how how does that affect your your plant and how does it how does that affect yield and how that does yield affect price and how does it affect your costs yeah and how does it affect quality so and for me it is a simple process if coffee doesn't make sense i don't have a problem my farmers are putting it because we don't want to have the farmers growing something that's impoverishing them mm-hmm. it is actually not good they are the bottom of the chain so they should not be pressured to grow something that actually does not help them improve mm-hmm. their lives so and i've always told them that the resource is not the coffee tree the resource is the soil because if we find gold in that soil tomorrow trust me those coffee bushes are gone because mm-hmm. they need to you know people need to be able to have a better life we'll figure out something else and it's because i was raised in those communities i was raised in a small community in a small farming community and we used to grow a crop that was called a pyrethrum mm-hmm. it's it looks like a daisy but it's a natural insecticide and that wow. crop actually ended up dying because of corrupt practices, you know, mismanagement and I think mm-hmm. the market also failed for it. So we ended up stopping stop growing it. So and in my community when that happened actually you could be able to see poverty creeping in. Like somebody has a new shoe, tomorrow they can't afford a new shoe. Somebody never wore any torn clothes, they start wearing torn clothes. You could see my some of my buddies, you know, dropping out of school because there's no school fees. So I know firsthand what happens when when some of these they are called cash crops in uh-huh. in in countries like Africa and Asia. I know when they fail. I know what it happens to communities. And since I know that, I don't want them to be exploited as well because of the consumer market. Mm-hmm. Because the, if the consumer market is not willing to pay for it then and these groups of people are actually producing these and they are impoverishing themselves and there's no subsidies for them then why do it i love how you grew up in this community so you kind of have like a first hand experience of what it's like to grow up in this kind of community and you kind of know how cash crops and how it works so you're really kind of like the perfect person to go to for help and I love how you're using that knowledge and continuing to give back to your community as well. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. And Francis, this is a bit of a different question, but do you have any tips for our listeners on how to brew coffee? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> and there's so many different ways to brew coffee. For me, I like using drip coffee and I use a Chemex. Mm-hmm. And I use a ratio of 1 to 15. So 1 gram of coffee to 15 grams of water. And the water is uh, goes to a temperature of around 100 and you know 195 to 199 degrees Fahrenheit. You know, and then pour it slowly over ground coffee which you grind it coarse. To me that's what I find best and I like drinking my coffee black because if you can never drink your coffee black, then you're not drinking coffee at that moment. Mhm. Your coffee should not be bitter. That's what I always tell people. If your mm-hmm. coffee is bitter, don't. I I actually don't know what you're drinking. It has to have a tartness, like you know how you eat a fruit, and that's why we when we say a coffee tastes like a blackberry, it is it is that tartness of the co- of the blueberry that you can be able to taste there, or like taste like chocolate. There is that aftertaste of a dark mm-hmm. chocolate after you eat it, or a milk chocolate. 
So, and if it has some citrus, you can be able to say, oh, wow, it's like I ate a lime. So you should be able to tell those things in your coffee. You can be able even to tell yourself after you sit back, you're like, wow, I feel like I ate a fruit, but I drank a coffee. And that is when you know that you're drinking a good coffee. Otherwise, if your coffee is bitter, it's either extremely old, so somebody just roasted it dark enough for you not to get any taste out of it. But that, that's for me, that's my to-go-to. I just drink it black. I don't add anything. I don't add sugar. I always say this. You can add milk. You can add cream to your coffee. You can add milk to your coffee. But please, I draw the line on sugar. <laughs> because sugar tastes changes the chemical composition of coffee. Uh-huh. And it makes it a little bit malty, no matter which coffee you're getting. It changes the chemical composition of it. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you drink coffee because of the health benefits. So when you add sugar, well, now you're you are canceling the health benefits. Mm-hmm. And Francis, one more question about the coffee itself. I see on your website that you have currently you're selling three different types of coffee. Correct me if I'm wrong. But what is the type of coffee that you would recommend to our listeners who want to try it first? If they have never drunk any coffee, uh-huh. if, if you've never drunk coffee and this is your first time to drink coffee, I would go with a light roast, the Savannah, because at, those, at that moment, you don't get the bold roast flavors of the coffee. And then as you like it more, you can progress to the medium dark, which is our champion. And then mm-hmm. you, go to, you get to the darker one. You, you get to the darker roast which is actually, a, a, it has that boldness. So you can be able to taste the coffee, but at the same time, you're tasting the boldness of the coffee. When I say boldness is the, is another word is robust. It's the, the little bit of the smoke flavor in the coffee. So that's boldness. And, that, and then again, I say that my brands also support different causes. So what, what really calls to you also is something, because all the coffees are amazing. So uh-huh. what calls to you? Like uh, bean tea supports women empowerment. So is it something that you feel like you'd like your your resources to go towards that that cause? Or would you like, or, uh, you know, if you think about most of the youth and youth empowerment, would you like, you know, Champion would be the good coffee for that. And then you do have, you do have Savannah that mostly supports uh, environmental causes. So which are, the reason why we support that is we are in business. I always say that I'm in the business of climate because mm-hmm. if the climate is messed up and our environment is messed up, I don't have a business. I have to think about something else. I'm not in tech, so I wouldn't go and build another computer or another software. So I have to I have to take care of the environment because the environment is my business. Wow, I really love how each of these types of coffees like kind of have a different cause that you can support. So to our listeners out there, if there's a specific cause that is really calling out to you, or if you just want to try this amazing coffee, definitely go to the link in the podcast description box and you're going to find Francis's business website. So you can definitely go click on that and buy some coffee for yourself right now.
Francis, after interviewing a lot of businesses, I noticed that the pandemic brought a lot of negative effects on many. For example, it allowed a lot of businesses to close their doors, but it also opened a window of opportunities such as making their business more online and allowing for shipping. So how has the pandemic affected your business? Has it had upsides or has it had downsides? That's a good one because for the last five years, I've been importing coffee. So before the pandemic, I was importing coffee. I was a coffee importer. I never wanted Mm -hmm. to roast the coffee that I import. I was like, you know what? I can stay on the importing side. It's good. And then then for me, it was just an opportunity that came up. And Mm -hmm. it was pre-pandemic. It was actually in October. And I was nominated for as a semi-finalist for the Oregon Entrepreneurship Network Game Changer Award. Wow, uh, For our work, yeah, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. for our work in the supply chain system uh, mm-hmm. for the import. And although we did not make it to the final, I was like, you know what? Why don't I just negotiate my way to a table? So I negotiated my way to a table and fortunately I got sat on a table uh, that was sponsored by Market of Choice. The the director of merchandise for Market of Choice, his name is John Boyle, was seated there. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a shot in the dark. So I was like, hi, John. My name is Francis, and I import coffee from Kenya. And I said, would you buy my coffee and have it in your shelf through a direct import system? Like from the farmer to the, to the, to the shelf of Market of Choice, it's me and you. So I said, I said, this is next level for me, you know, up in my head, I'm like, this is next level customer connection. So I told one of my farmers, one day I'm going to put your coffee on the shelves in the U.S. So this opportunity came up and John said, yes, I'd like that. Yeah, at that moment, I hadn't even thought about branding. Exilia did not exist then. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even there. It was, it was non-existent. So I was like, okay, where do I come up with all these ideas? So... I had to, first of all, I, I thought, hey, you can put it in a brown bag. I'm like, no, no, I don't want to represent myself like that. So we started with George. Uh, we partnered with George Fox to to design our bag. So we talked with them in in this, actually in November. And then it, they were like, you know what? When the semester starts in January, then we you can be our first, you can be a client of ours. So the students were using our company and branding and branding our company as their final for their art and design school. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, cool. That's a cool idea. So that was it. <laughs> so, wow. so that's how we started going branding and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be ready. So I spoken to John in October. I thought I'll have my coffee on the shelves in December. That didn't work. I thought I, I said, okay, then by March, I should be having it before, you know, after the first semester. Mm-hmm. And that's when everything went south because after we made our first presentation to the to the students of George Fox, that's when everything got shut down. So now everything was online. So we could not meet face-to-face with them. We only made two connections face-to-face. The rest was only through emails. At that moment, that was like, wow, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that I took this shot and I was given this opportunity because now at the same time, I had imported coffee and that coffee was coming in and when it was supposed to land here was in April mm-hmm. 2020. 
And as it is coming in, I'm seeing the country shutting down. So, and I'm seeing my contracts, my import, my coffee import contracts being canceled. I'm mm-hmm. seeing people starting to make late payments. I'm like, man, I'm going to go under. And yep, Exilia saved us. So we just pivoted wow. towards roasting. So as we, as we weigh, you know, as we run through the wave. So, so that's Exilia became that pivot for us. But mm-hmm. it wasn't by design. It was just some an opportunity that we saw, and I decided to go for it. And we ended up being saving us uh, to allowed us to survive. And uh, hoping that things I've seen, I'm seeing things starting to take. You know, things starting to come back with our with the importing business, and That's um, you know, there's still challenges with uh, logistics because uh-huh. our biggest problem is actually our biggest problem is not the coffee itself. We are, we have that down. It is when the coffee gets to the shores of the US mm-hmm. or when it gets to our transit points, it takes longer because I usually bring in coffee within within 75 days, the coffee has landed in, in the warehouse. I had a coffee that actually took five months. Wow. Yeah, so that's how the also the, the aftershocks of the pandemic are affecting us. So the mm-hmm. the, the shipping is taking longer. Like it got stuck in uh, in Singapore uh, because it was transiting through Singapore. It was in Singapore for one and a half months without getting a ship to move it out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, uh, but but I think, yeah, the pandemic was something that we just allowed us to set up Exilia and we were lucky to have a market of choice, you know, be, uh, be a customer for us. Uh-huh. And then we set up our online shop so wow. and uh, and now we we are roasting. <laughs> now we are roaster importer company. It's so, so great. something I never planned for. Uh huh. It's so great how you were able to find this really cool opportunity come to you, and how you were able to completely pivot and still completely change your perspective and start a whole new journey and be successful. And Francis, could you also talk about how people can continue to support your business now? If you buy our coffee, I always say that you're always making a change. Mm-hmm. So if you can be able to buy our coffee, maybe on you know on the shelves of Market of Choice or in the web, uh, in the Build Oregon website or on our website, wherever you buy our coffee, mm-hmm. you're making change, and you're making change because it's not just for us. We're also supporting other other people and other communities. Currently, taking one girl child in high school to in Kenya, we are sponsoring a girl through high school in Kenya. Uh, wow. We are sponsoring a boy and another girl through the university. So that is our impact for us. That's why we want to start small, and we didn't want to start doing that when we make money. We wanted to start together. Mm-hmm. So as we continue, uh, no matter how what our revenue is, we said, what can we be able to do? So supporting our business is is knowing that you're also supporting something bigger. You're not just supporting uh, our business to grow. You're supporting to make a life of another person better. And that's, that's the essence of everything. That's how we take care of each other. Uh, buy our coffee and, and make a difference to, uh, in the world or make a difference that you want to see in the world through the causes that we do support. And you can follow us as well on Instagram uh, at Exilia Coffee or uh, on, on Facebook as well. And then, you know, spread the word. Tell people about this coffee. 
taste the coffee, drink the coffee, and it will change your perspective on coffee quite a bit. That's how you can be able to support us. And once again, listeners, if you want to go ahead and support Francis in his mission, you can click the links in our bio to go follow him at all his social media. And you can click the link to go to his website and buy directly from his website and have a cup of amazing coffee. And also, Francis, are there any special projects or anything else you would like to plug? Oh, man, we're always doing special things that are different. (laughs) This is one thing that I've always thought about. There's no difference between wine and coffee. The only mm-hmm. difference is wine is grown in the Western world and coffee is grown in the, you know, in the third world. Mm-hmm. So we perceive those two products to be different. But if you understand them, you'll know that they are, the complexity of both is the same mm-hmm. and they are all affected by the same factors. They affect uh, the quality of of coffee and the quality of wine is actually affected by climate. So that's when mm-hmm. when you see an Oregon Pinot is not an Oregon Pinot, uh, it's not a Pinot Noir somewhere else. And it's because of our soils here. It is because of our altitude. It is where we are located. Coffee is the same way. Coffee is not just coffee. And that's something I would love people to understand, that notion that coffee is coffee. Coffee is not coffee. You'll taste a coffee that is so different. And it's different because of environmental factors. It's different because of the way the coffee is processed. So the more you know about coffee, the better. So for us in the future, what we would like to do is have some education, some education things to be able to have some you know, impromptu education sessions where we can just be able to, to have conversations about this. and. Not just about coffee, you can be able to be drinking coffee and drinking wine and be able to see how the two are the same. And having those, that is something that I want to see. Because I have never had anybody who have ever said that wine is wine. They always say Oregon wine, Napa Valley wine, or French wine, or Italian wine. Mm-hmm. That's all I hear. Nobody says, oh, wine is wine. It doesn't matter where it's produced. But why Why is there that notion that coffee is coffee? To me, that's something I'd like to see change. And some of the other projects is we want to continue supporting our farmers. We want to continue bringing in coffees that are produced uh, in a very different way. We are learning from this wine industry and how the, the, the fermentation process is. So can we be able to to create a fermentation process for, for coffee the same way the wine industry does it. So, yeah, some of our projects is actually learning more about wine. So you don't mm-hmm. get surprised when you hear about me doing an internship in a winery. I am <laughs> trying to learn. So, yeah. And definitely, listeners, if you want to keep up to date with what Francis and Exilior Coffee is doing, go ahead and follow them and support them in all their upcoming projects and missions. So, Francis, that is it for our interview. Are there any last things that you wanted to say? Um, I'd like to say thank you so much uh, for having me. I love what you guys are doing. Um, thank you. I, I, I think it's amazing. I think... You're on to something, and I, and the way you're doing things is is phenomenal. And I think I wish I was I was knowledgeable as you when I was your age. So <laughs> that's all I can be able to say. Maybe I'll be far away. So yeah. So I appreciate I appreciate the time you you have had with me, and I appreciate that uh, that you could be able to take your time and 
and listen to me mumble. So, <laughs> no. Thank you so much, Francis. It was definitely an honor to interview you and Spotlight Auxiliary Coffee. That is it from PDX Business Spotlight. And listeners, please be sure to join us in the next episode. Thank you for listening to PDX Business Spotlight by Youth Venture, and we hope to see you in the next episode.